I try to hire in the summertime where I don't need people. So I don't have the pressure of just hiring anybody that walks through the door. Because a lot of the time when you really, really need people, you post an ad and then they come through and you just, you look past a lot of stuff that you shouldn't look past just to have them in the door start working. So I try to, but although I am hiring right now in the really, really busy season, just because we're so short staffed right now, but usually I try to do it in the slower time. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast. Your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we have Gia Tram from GT Lashes on our show. She's someone I met last year at LashCon. Or actually, she reached out to me and said, hey, your displays at LashCon kind of suck. They shouldn't say it that way. She was very nice. (laughs) But she basically said, hey, I'd like to help improve LashCon. And you know what? I get so excited when people care enough to call me and reach out and say, you know what? I can help you make your event even better. That is like music to my ears. She came on, she helped out. We talked about a little bit on the, on the podcast and then she became a friend and someone that we really, really appreciate because really she gets it. She understands how do you build relationships with new people that you have nothing in common with, right? You have no background, no one to introduce you. And she came to us like offering gifts. And not that I'm saying that I, the only way you can ever talk to me is if you offer me a gift. I'm just saying that if you really want to speed up a process where you want to build a relationship with someone, not a bad way to start. And it's how we suggest you start relationships when you want to work with a doctor or when you're trying to establish your salon in your local area and you're trying to get new clients. Just calling someone and say, hey, give me clients and refer people. Not the way to go. Really, if you come and you reach out and you offer something to them first, people are more likely to respond in kind. So anyhow, just a little background about that with Gia and how we first met her. And we'll get into that on the podcast, but we're going to talk to her about a little bit about her last journey and about what's it like to have a salon and all sorts of stuff about her experience in this lash industry, which I hope actually, these are the episodes that everyone loves the most. Like me and Tusk, we are like, yeah, we'll talk about topics that we want to talk about. And really the ones that always get by far the highest amount of engagement is always the ones where we talk to just everyday lash artists, salon owners, brand owners, people in the industry, because we get it. You guys like to hear other people's stories. And today you're going to hear Gia's story and what she's gone through. And I know a lot of you will get a lot from it and be encouraged by it. I assume all you do is you identify and see where your journeys have commonality, which makes you know that, you know what, you're normal, you're okay, you're just in process like everyone in this industry, and no one has arrived. We all are in one 
part of the journey where the early stage, the middle stage, or some of us might be in the latter stage. You never know. Anyhow, we will get into that. But before we do that, we have announcements. What do we have going on? Well, real quick, if you're listening to this before May 1st on at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on 2023, we're doing a live podcast on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which is basically Lashcast. Just type in Lashcast YouTube. You'll see it. We'll be doing a live cast there as well as on Instagram live. Well, dual screens going and we're just going to hang out and chat and talk about lashes and hopefully people show up and we'll answer questions. Anything you want. We're doing this to celebrate our 300th episode, which we've already had. We didn't get everything organized in time to be able to connect it with that. So we're just going to do episode 302 or 303 will be our celebratory episode where we basically Thank you guys for and want to have you be part of the podcast in the, in the best way we can live. And so that's it. So right now, if you're listening before that time, please mark your calendars, show up on YouTube, show up on Instagram, hang out with us for like an hour and we will chat shop and anything that you want to talk about. Consider it kind of like a live coaching session with us. So hopefully we'll see you there on May 1st, 2023 at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right, what else do we have going on? Well, if you haven't heard, we have LashCon tickets are on for sale. And already we just missed, you missed the six-month payment plan. We're now at the five-month payment plan. But don't worry, there's still, you know, you can spread out for a long time. And we have, I think, less than 20 tickets for VIP, at least at the time we were recording this. So do not delay. If you want to get that VIP, we're basically done. We're, we're at the finish line. This is it. You will not, we will not sell any more VIPs. Last year, we opened the door later in the year because some people had canceled so they couldn't make it, so we sold some more. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think we're just going to keep the door closed, so this is it. Don't count on it later. And by the way, you have a five-month payment plan, so what do you complain about? You can spread it out. All right, and we have plenty of standard tickets for now. Well, that may change as, as we did sell it last year. We just... We, we grew to a much bigger space, so hopefully we'll be able to accommodate everyone even in a later time. Tusk Needs Retention Course is coming up here next weekend in New York, May 6th and 7th. We have, I think, two spots. We have eight that have sold now. We have two spots left, so if you want to squeeze in last second, let us know. We can get you in. Then we'll be in Austin June 17th to 18th in Austin, Texas. Then July 8th and 9th in Honolulu and specifically Waikiki in Oahu. So we'd love to see you there if you want to hang out. And by the way, the May 6th and 7th, there's going to be a Lash Bash in the evening on Saturday. And the same thing in July, we will be doing a Lash Bash in Honolulu with all of you. So hope to see you there. And let's see, we also have the premiere show. We're going to be speaking on June 3rd through the 5th. Not just speaking, but bring a lot of our LashCon friends to come and speak. It's like 75 85 bucks in Orlando, June 3rd through the 5th. It's super cheap, super affordable. You get to go to this massive trade show. And then if you want, you can hang out with us for three days and hear from an amazing lineup of speakers who you would normally have to pay a lot more at LashCon. But here at this event, it's going to be super affordable. And these are more, they're not workshops, but they are like demos where we have two hours, two and a half hours for a class. So it's a lot more time to go a little deeper on topics. So hopefully we'll see you there. It's uh, really one that we did in Anaheim. It was amazing. And we're doing it again here in Orlando. And hopefully if it all goes well, we'll be back next year because we like Orlando. We're going to Disney World. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll stop with that. Oh, one more. I'm sorry. IBS. We're going to be in Vegas on June 25th at the IBS show with our party at the Sahara Hotel. Tickets are on sale. Link in the bio. 
Love to see you there. And the other thing I forgot to mention with IBS, we have a $10 off your ticket to get into the IBS show. So I'll put that link in the bio as well as on our Instagram and everywhere else we can put it. You can get $10 off and go to the IBS show for a little bit cheaper. It's not expensive. Again, it's like 70 bucks, I think. I, I should get these numbers before I do announcements, but it's really affordable and you get to save $10 if you use our discount code, which is in the show notes. So go look for that. And we will see you at IBS both on the floor and at our party. All right. That's all I have to say for that. Now let's sit down with Gia and sit down and talk to her about her last journey and really about salon ownership. Hey, Smart Cookies. I'm so excited. We have a guest. Her name is Gia Tran, and she is our guest today. Welcome, Gia. Hi. Hi, so Gia. So excited to have you guys in front of me. I don't think I've ever met you guys, actually. I met Paul. Yeah, you, I met you, yes, at last con. Yeah. You guys were so busy. I didn't want to, like, bother you. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. That was so crazy. We want people to come up to us, but I know that people have that thought. Well, I just tried to look pissed off all the time. Oh, stop time. it. And then they were like, leave Paul alone. He's <laughs> mad. <laughs> One of the things that completely, um, this is how we, we met and started this relationship, was that Gia... You saw a need with LashCon mm -hmm. and it was something that wasn't even on our radar. And you came to us with this idea. You want to share what it was? Yeah. With all these events that's been happening, you know, baby shower and all that stuff, like all these decors are like just so popular now. And I was like, why don't we bring that and make the event more beautiful <laughs> and have these stations everywhere so people can pick, take pictures. And I feel like photos are everything now. So. Yeah. Having those there really help drive people posting and really get the event out there. No, it was it. And what she did, I'll she say. She came to us with an idea. You're, 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 she said, your, your conference is kind of ugly. No, I was kidding. No, <laughs> no. She saw a need. The reason why I'm talking about this is because how you approach this is one of the best ways that people can partner yeah. with us, with LashCon and with LashCast, is that you saw something. And instead of saying, hey, can I get you to do this? You just said, listen, I could bring something to add beauty and value to your event would you let me do it? Yeah. And we're yeah. like, yes, of course. And so <laughs> she organized with the vendor, a designer who was so professional and so amazing yeah. and came in and set up these really cute booths. Three stations for you guys. When you came, you saw it, you took, and people took thousands of pictures with them. Yeah. I actually never met her. Oh, you never <laughs> she met her? Really? She was fantastic. She was absolutely no. fantastic. I uh, FaceTimed her a few times, but yeah, she is LA based. She does a lot of cool, huge weddings and events in that area of Pasadena. Yeah. And I found her and she was just so amazing, so patient. She walked me through everything. And then she met with you guys, I think. Right? Yeah, she yeah. was a very good mm -hmm. vendor because there was a couple fails with the installation. Three times it kept falling over, but she kept sending people to fix it. So really great vendor. But I just want to commend you, Gia, about seeing something that needed to be done and just taking the lead on it, approaching us with an idea and going with it. And then it sparked the beginning of this relationship. And I just wanted to highlight you and say that this is how you do it. Well, I mean, a lot of people, what happens is I get a lot of people reaching out to me saying, hey, I want to be a speaker or, hey, I want to be this or, hey, can you give me that? Hey, I want to be that. And, well, they're just, collaborate. and they're just asking me for things. And you, and this is why I always tell people when you want to partner with someone, it has to be like 
What can I do for you? This is a two-way street. Yeah, yeah like how can I carry yeah. the ball? Yeah, what can I do to help you with your business? How can I help you? And you came, and you really did. You solved a problem that we knew we had, but we just weren't dealing with because I had too many plates spinning, and it made the place look so much more adorable. When you walked in, everyone immediately went to the Instagram wall and wanted to take pictures. That was the first thing everyone wanted to do. And then also walking into the main room, we had a nice display. So when you walked in, it looked really cute. Yeah, the rooms were really nice. It was just it's such a nice upgrade. And um, for that, I'm just really grateful that you did that. And I thought I just wanted to highlight that for people so they understand that not that everyone who's come to me. Don't, by the way, I know some people are like, oh, that's all I've ever done, Paul. I'm sorry if I offended you. Don't offend me if you just come and ask. I'm just saying you might fast track yourself a little bit more if you come trying to solve problems with an idea and like say you know how can i run this ball a little further so anyhow Mm -hmm. that all said what we wanted to do is gia is um, really (laughs) quite the entrepreneur she's someone who is an oddity in the sense that she has two salons i mean lash salon lash salons there are not many people with more than one lash salon there's barely even people with one lash salon out there it seems like Lash salons are very rare and far between, and because it's tough, it's a tough to run a salon. Girl, and, you're and, an unsung hero. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you have to just be so resilient. The business world is not for the faint-hearted. No, that's for sure. And you got to work when no one else wants to work, and you got to take clients, even if I often because we will talk about it a little bit. That you're still taking clients and all that. But let's before we get into that, why don't we jump ahead and get into the pre last stage of your life um you started i know your first salon when you were super young like i'm like double your age more than double your age <laughs> and you had a salon when i was like in college thinking about playing video games all day so well this isn't about you yeah. so let's so, talk no. about yeah no, no, i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> okay. this is amazing no no i'm just saying what's well, amazing is what you know you're ready at this age you've done a lot and accomplished a lot which i hope will be encouraging other young people out there or even older people so what were you doing pre-lashes before you decided to open your salon? I was actually in school. So I graduated high school and then, as most people would, started college. And I was here at the state college in town. I just did like a general degree, like business administration with a marketing minor. And I really do love marketing. I think that's one of the reasons why the business grew so much it's like people don't understand that there's a conversion it's the money that you invest into the business that's what's going to convert profit and value and you know clients walking through the door and i really do love making graphics and just seeing the numbers returning from what you're investing like all the analytics and stuff i really love that so i do all of that here at the salon too we're really big on marketing and then just you know once you get them through the door you really just have to give them the best service possible to keep them there. So you were in school and you were going in that direction. Did you finish school or did you decide to change partway through? I didn't finish school. I actually was in my second year. I almost finished. I had like one class left and it was an accounting class and I kept failing. It was so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I failed twice and I was like, oh, let's no. take it a third time. I was just really bad at it. I don't know why it could be the teacher. I don't know, but... And then my mom was just like, my mom's been doing nails for like 20 years. So she was like, why don't you just get your your license in aesthetics? It's a full specialist here in Florida. It's like a nail and aesthetic combined. So I got that. And then I started doing nails and I just hated it. I (laughs) just couldn't pull myself to go to work every day. I just couldn't do it. And I did it for like a year, saved up some money. And then I went into 
a more like high-end salon and worked because I didn't like that high pace like factory environment of a nail salon it's really toxic I wish you guys understand what people like they say Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our language (laughs) (laughs) um they're just like quicker faster faster they just make you service people so quickly and so intensely there's a lot of crazy stuff in the nail world like lashes we we have a a really I think better culture better environment but I I remember there's an expose I don't know if you saw this like 2016 2017 that came out of new york times and they kind of uncovered the underbelly of the nail world and showed how people yeah, have, to, they have to pay to get their job like you pay the owner 500 dollars and they hire you you have to pay if you break a bottle you have to reimburse they have to pay for that bottle that they spilt or whatever yeah you birth you pay like you see at the grocery store mm-hmm. like the oriental grocery store it's like the exact same thing that applies in the nail salon yeah oh uh, you pay for everything you really you bring everything like all your tools you have to supply everything even down to like the liners on the tub you have to buy yourself oh my god that's crazy um, which is, by the way illegal and the clear coat even like the clear coat this is all illegal, by the way. Just so people know, it's not legal to do this. <laughs> it's not legal. And the nail salon world, they heard stuff where they would teach people because a lot of people were um, immigrants and they would say, well, we'll pay you under the table. And then the idea is we'll teach you how to get government government benefits to help also make more mm-hmm. money that way. That way we, Double don't, dipping. we don't have to pay you as much cash. And that's why they could use nails for like 15 bucks because they're paying them so little money. And they also, because a lot of them, Sadly, because they're illegal, they can't report this. Like they can't go to the government officials and say, "Hey, my yeah, employer's abusing me." That we need to fix. Yeah, it's sad because these people are being abused and they're trapped and they have no recourse because of their immigration mm-hmm. status and the government can't step in. And I know, it's a hot mess. But you know, it's really just being educated as individuals. You mm-hmm. know, even as immigrants, like you need to learn how to do things without having something like held over your head yeah where you're uh, kind of like, like a job <laughs> where, yeah where you're being almost held hostage so. so mom said get into nails i've got this wonderful path for you <laughs> and you said what so i transitioned into a more like high-end salon where it's like lower pace and like more americanized and mm-hmm. i really liked that culture and environment and it's actually relaxing in the salon industry you're in a wealth and wellness industry you're supposed to be relaxed (laughs) and so I was like this is perfect this is where I want to be and I started to like really love the industry more and I went into more aesthetics and I learned how to do lashes actually from the Orlando premiere show oh cool they taught this really short one hour course (laughs) of Mm -hmm. course and then me and a girl went and she did lashes on me after that and I did lashes on her after that after a one hour course Wow. And of course, I went on a vacation after, and then my eyes swelled up. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. It was not the day after or the, not even the second day. It's like the third day. I was like, what's going on? Mm. So I was like, this is uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. Like everything that you can possibly think that goes wrong. I was puffy. I was on a vacation. It's worse. It was stiff, hard lashes. And I just felt like. I mean, I even drove an hour away to get my lashes done when I came back. I tried all of these different places around me. And this is in 2018. So not a lot of people were doing it. And I even went to Amazing Lash, all the corporations that, you know, should know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get what I wanted, the results and everything. So I started taking courses from large lash brands mm-hmm. that are like, you know, OGs. Mm-hmm. You know, I took two of their courses 
And then I took another lash brand that I think you spoke about in the past and you got sort of by two. I really like the way they did things. The adhesive was extremely hard to use, first of all, the thicker. Mm -hmm. Very thick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So those people kind of taught you pretty well. They've been in the industry for a while and it was like a 3D course and it was like a few grand. Are you talking about lavish? I think is Nova. Nova Nova Lash. Yeah, Nova Lash. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're one of the OGs. Yeah. Yeah. And then Extreme. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I didn't want to invest any more money because it was like already six grand between the two classes. So I just started working. And then the work that they teach paid off. Besides the adhesive issue, I still was looking for a better adhesive. But other than that, I grew my business from like a solo artist to like I added one employee at a time. So now we have seven technicians. So that's how you do it. And two locations too. Yeah. I have people slowly, you know, because I don't want to hire like three, four people and they just sit around all day. Yeah. That's a disaster. And then they leave. Yes. Yeah, they do. If they're not busy or worse, they stay and cause trouble. (laughs) They're sitting around, have nothing to do, but sit around and gossip and talk with each other. And that can be bad too. (laughs) So you've been a salon owner now since 2018. So five years, right? Mm And yes. you added the second place just about, you said, a year and a half ago after COVID kind of began to calm down. And Correct. So- yeah, that was miserable. We actually leased the space in 2020 at the beginning before COVID hit. And then I couldn't even open it for like nine months because we were so slow and locked down and everything. But I just decided, you know what, let's stick to it and let's get through it. And I paid the rent, even though we weren't open and just resisted the economic Mm. tragedy (laughs) and yeah now we've been open for a year and a half so it's been awesome yeah now for you was it always a goal to hire and bring on staff not really i got so busy by myself and then it was actually a client she started getting lashes done with me and then she actually moved here from texas to pursue aviation because we have like a really good aviation school here that people come like from all over the world to study and the guys from 9-11 is that where they train <laughs> i'm sorry it, yeah it actually was oh! <laughs> first thing because i, first thing I remember know? hearing is that the guys from 9-11 trained in florida at an aviation base so all right well that's that's a infamous <laughs> well, florida has a very a story you know it's the part where cape canaveral yeah. where the mm-hmm. nasa's yeah, they, there NASA. they launch shuttles here all the time yeah oh, okay. it's like it's, it's a cool. very storied history of avionics it is kind of like in la too mm-hmm. where we are we're like the two ends of the avionics world so that's very cool so yeah. we're uh, very close to i guess the equator is very close to the satellites and stuff so oh, that's oh, it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so you yeah. and uh this client came and talked to you about obviously yes (laughs) off track i'm sorry no that's me that's my fault i did that (laughs) yeah she actually left uh like a year and a half later because she got her pilot license and now she's in like the commercial airline and stuff so she was actually an esthetician lash artist in texas and she was like can i just do this on the side while i go to school because it's very expensive to fly airplanes so i was like sure why not and then she became my second employee it was just kind of out of the blue, I didn't look, I didn't have an ad or anything. And then she was with me. We were just the two of us for two years. And then I know a lot of people, it's a small town. So I just kept posting, like I have a lash business, you know, just advertising, marketing, you know, 
usual stuff. And then one of my friends is like, my friend is graduating from aesthetic school and she wants to learn lashes and brows. And she introduced us. And then I hired my brand educator currently, and she's been with me for four years. So that was my second employee. And then we just expanded after that, like just naturally, I didn't have a goal, you know, not like as a little kid, write down like Mm. what I want to be when I grow up to be a salon owner. So it just happened naturally. Is entrepreneurship something that's in your family? Like you you have other people you look up to? No, actually. Okay. My mom was actually against it at first because, you know, or just like in generation, like our generation, my mom's generation and her parents, they were never business owners. They, all they ever know is work and work and work and just work for other people. If you don't work, you starve and you die. That's like her thing, (laughs) but it's a huge risk and they're not risk takers. Even when I opened my second salon, she was like, she gave me so much crap. Mm. She was like, don't do this. (laughs) You're risking it even more, but it's all about like resistant people around you are going to say stuff and you just have to kind of believe in yourself. What was it that got you to push for? I mean, obviously having a parent say, don't do this is huge. I have really strong drive and I just was like, I'm not going to listen to you. (laughs) That's really pretty much it. (laughs) So I studied uh, even after college. I honestly didn't like anything I was learning in college. It didn't speak to me at the moment. Mm. Like we study all the big brand company like Starbucks and like all the huge corporation, how they succeeded. And it just didn't make sense to me at the moment. I was bored. I was like falling asleep in college. But then now I'm actually finding myself looking for those books and reading them and listening to them and studying them. Like, how did they make it? How did they start from one little coffee shop to this huge corporation? So I dissected a lot of these master corporations in the last year just to really see what they're doing right. Mm-hmm. And the CEOs in the past, what, when you, where they came from, what they studied and all that stuff. How they built this is it? I don't know if you know the podcast. Is how it, I built or this, or how I, or is it how I built this? I guess it's how, how I, I built, built this by Guy Raz. By Guy Raz it is a, a podcast. great podcast. You, you would it, love it. It's all founders and mm-hmm. all that, and they just talk about how their business starts, and almost always there's huge tragedy in the process, like like Bobby Brown, <laughs> like you know, getting fired Lulu by their being fired by their board, being or you know, being on the verge of bankruptcy, and then you know, finally that money comes in the next day or the deal closes. I mean, just mm-hmm. really amazing stories of founders and the struggles that they had to go through to get to the companies like Starbucks and all that. So yeah, there's always pushback. Yeah, you'll love the podcast. It really is uh, my favorite podcast. What Called, is it How I built I this. Built this. It's How a it's an NPR it. show, but it's on Apple. I think now if you want, you have to pay to get without commercials. Otherwise, I think you have to listen with commercials now. But that's right. If you grew up in radio, commercials are normal. But How I Built This, strongly yeah. recommend. Or if you don't remember, just uh, text cool. me or email me and I'll, I'll send you the information. Because, yeah, if you're into these types of books, which when we were first getting into salon ownership, we were watching, reading, and learning about other brand owners. Because, yeah, you're... You're building a brand and there's going to be common, even though it's different industries, the common issues are much the same, like managing staff, systems, customer service. How do you make this a standard practice versus just a one-time suggestion that someone does it and then they'd never do it? So it's- Right. I mean, we're in the salon industry, but a business is a business. Like it's run pretty much all the same in in any industry, like, you know, hiring, firing, like knowing how to 
filter out people and stuff like that. That's not just in the beauty industry. You have to look outside of the, the industry. In my yeah. opinion, exactly. Really learn. Is there any examples of that where you can see, yeah, I looked at this company or this, what they did and I found that and I loved it and I tried to bring it into my business. I don't have a specific example. I've been like kind of brainstorming in my head, mm-hmm. like by myself for a while. It's like the aviation industry because, you know, like my first employee ever, like I met a lot of people through her and actually my boyfriend is also in aviation. It's mm-hmm. how we met is through, through her. And oh, cool. he talks so much about like how airlines, how they build their corporations and how it works. And I mean, they have like a 600 page contract <laughs> like employment contract and like he reads through it and like sometimes he talks to me about it and I was like that's actually really cool like how they do things and how you do things and how to really make the communication clear Mm. like specific down to like the minute of how they run things exactly it has to be completely laid out so that there's no ambiguity on what is expected yes there was an example that he told me like American Airlines saved a million dollars by removing a tomato off the plate because <laughs> it's so funny. It's just a cherry tomato, but annually they save a million dollars because of the weight of every plate on that airplane and the fuel that it takes. But it's just like, you know, some people even just throw it away. Like they don't even eat it, but it's crazy. I was like, you can wow. cut the tiniest thing in your business and it makes such a difference. Wow. No, that's super true. I mean, I think a lot of times people think all they need to do is make more money. But often, if you were to go back and look at your company, if you find little ways to save money, that might even be better than trying to just drive more revenue and get yourself busy, busier, but rather simplify and cut out some waste and look for those, look for the cherry tomatoes in your business. (laughs) Yeah. And cut them out and then see, uh, and make a, make a million dollars more, hopefully a year. Actually, I I think any salon would make a million. They'd be very happy. (laughs) I have a cherry tomato on an airplane story. It's kind of random, but we were traveling. Our son, our middle son was a toddler and he was like maybe two years old, uh, one and a half, two years old. And he was fussing and fussing and fussing. So I had to like let him roam the aisles, walking up and down the aisles. They had just served lunch. This was before in the, in the dark ages when they served food. And there was a man sitting on the, you know, at the, at the corner and he, there was a tomato on his plate. And my son just walks up, just pulls the tomato off his plate and starts to eat it. And I'm like pulling it out of his mouth. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Here, you know? Did you give it back to him? I did it. He's like, oh, no, it's okay. You can keep it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. My child just took your food. (laughs) So anyway. So. No, it's okay. (laughs) The joy of parenthood um, and traveling, which is a whole. And a cherry tomato, but that's fantastic. Now for you. So you, you start hiring, you have staff. How do you go about bringing people on and how do you, well, first, like, maybe we talk about hiring a little bit. Like, is everyone you found just been through referral through friends or have you done ads? Do you do interviews? How do you find your staff? Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of ads. Ads were growing. So Florida is very seasonal. We've gotten a lot more locals lately. Like, you know, in the last two years, everyone has moved to Florida. Yeah. But before that, it was just like the winter is the busy like right now the reason why i'm working so much still is because we had a huge wave of people coming to us from up north and spring break and winter break and all that stuff easter like right now is the busiest season annually the april march yeah but i try to hire in the summertime where i don't need people 
So I don't have the pressure of just hiring anybody that walks through the door. Because mm. a lot of the time when you really, really need people, you, you know, you post an ad and then they come through and you just, you look past a lot of stuff that you should have looked <laughs> past just to have them in the door start wow. working. So I try to, but although I am hiring right now in the really, really busy season, just because we're so short staffed right now, but usually I try to do it in the slower time so I can really screen them. So you can take your time. You don't have to just hire and put them on yeah, the floor, but you yeah. can be very, hire slow, fire fast. Take your time. Like when we hired, it would be a month, sometimes two months before we would hire someone. We really dragged out the process because I also wanted them to really work for us. And the idea was like, mm -hmm. if they'll wait, that's someone that's a keeper. But if they're like, I need to be hired by tomorrow or I'm walking, I'm like, okay. Then that's somebody I, who's just looking yeah. for a job. You and, want them you know, to be invested in your business. And they might be running from right. something. <laughs> so they're like, <laughs> you know, something bad happened and I just need a job. I don't care what job it is. Just give me a job. And then like, they'll be the same employee and they come to you and they'll be yeah. chaos. And I mean, if that. they come to you, if they come to you and they start making demands, that's probably not a good sign. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they say I have to be hired by Friday, I walk like good. Then go walk. Cause I don't or, want. Yeah. Or they come and they're like, this is what I want. This is what I was paid. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe this is not the place. This yeah. You. yeah. It's a different business and we can't do everything everything exactly what you had or more likely they're just exaggerating what they got like oh i was paid this but now they want to get some higher so they're going to tell you oh i i now need 60 70 commission or something You're like okay yeah. calm down <laughs> <laughs> so for you as far as hiring you do post ads in or you just talk to people or do you network and stuff um, like that? now i do now i do post ads just because i mean it's a small town there's only so many people that you can talk to but now we're getting like some people from the town over and stuff like that. So now we do ads instead of referral. What do you use, by the way? What ad, which system? Or I what? just use Indeed. Okay. Yeah. They have pretty good. It's free. And you can even put like small little assessments on there, like short ones. It could be customer service, skill sets, assessment, or phone interview. Like they just answer questions and a robot asks like the questions. Oh, wow. So you can just listen to like what they have to say, even like just their voice and how they carry themselves and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That makes, you know, makes your judgment. It depends. Some people are just giving you very generic answers and it's like, okay, well, I want something more authentic. Yeah. Meaty. So is that what I mean? Aside, okay. I was going to say red flags, but you gave me one. So one red flag is like, if you give very generic, Vague. safe, answers that don't reveal much that's a pass for mm -hmm. you are there any other red flags that when you're listening to someone talk i mean demands i guess you said if they're demanding things that's probably a pass for you yeah when people are at home and they're like head of households they have lots of kids or they're you know managing family affairs things like that they tend to be very dominant mm -hmm. and i feel like i've had a few of those people and they just don't work well with others so i try to look for those traits because they would just come in and kind of tell you what to do rather than work with you. So that's kind of been a red flag for me too. Like I've interviewed a lot of people that are excellent and they come from like manager positions and they come from like director positions. But when they come and talk to me, they're very humble. They don't just mm. take over, even though they've had really, really high jobs in the mm. past. So I try to look for that. People that are respectful of your position. <laughs> no, that's huge. I mean, there's a book called um, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lincioni, another, another book that you, as a hiring, is the best hiring book I've ever read. But he talks about three things. And one of the three things you look for is someone who's humble. 
if you don't get humble employees, you do get what, like you say, you get someone like a bull in the China, China shop. They just it's going to push back on you. You, just, you tell them a way to do something yeah. different and they're like, well, this is better. You know, my way is better. And that's the opposite of humility. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Or people that are just grateful. Mm-hmm. That's really rare too. Instead of saying, you're the owner, you're taking this much and I'm working for you. This is a favor. You know, you get to find people that's like, thank you for what this job has done for me and my Mm. family type of people. That's hard to find that. You're right. Because being grateful, I think it's not in their nature. It's actually something you have to be purposeful about. The member, Mm -hmm. like whatever you're doing in life, just remember to always be grateful because I think it just brings a better part of you out. People who are grateful are Mm -hmm. happier. They're thankful for what they have. They stress less. There's less negativity. You know, it's just overall a better quality of life to have to not stress all the time. So when you finally get someone and you find someone you like and and you decide to hire them is, do you have a process that you take them through to bring them on board, train them, make sure their skill sets are a certain level, or do you hire experienced people? Do you hire new people that are just learning lashes? I do both. It depends who comes through the door and their personalities too. You can't train personalities, but if they're new, I can train them. I love molding people since the beginning. Like if they're fresh out of school, that's great. But if they worked in other places before, that's also great. As long as their personality is not too out of place for us, we can definitely train skills. That's not a problem. What's the next steps? How do you bring them on board and get them onto the floor, I guess? I guess there's not really like a system. I like to observe people and see how they act Mm -hmm. and just if they pay attention to the details or not, which is huge in our work. And, you know, just the little things I like to catch, but not necessarily any type of quiz or test or assessment. I just kind of like to read people. So you get them on the floor and then you just watch them a little bit and then adjust accordingly. Like, hey, this is how we greet people. And like- see how they react to the feedback as mm. well. That's, oh, a that's huge. That's the humility part. That's the other red flag, right? If they, if you come to say, okay, I saw how you took your client to the bed and you set them up and mm-hmm. you, you kind of didn't talk to them the whole time. You just ignored them and did not do a consult or whatever, you know, whatever your process is. Mm-hmm. And if they push back, is that for you? Like, no, I don't think this is going to work out. This will be a very short employment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not immediately. I would like to see it happen again to see if it's a repetition type of thing. If not, maybe just like what a one-time thing. Maybe they're having a bad day. But if it keeps happening, then that's a problem. Yeah. Do you find yourself adverse to those difficult conversations? Because as most of us, including us when we had a salon, the one thing I dreaded was sitting down and having to tell someone like you're not doing your job right and I, I would always approach it by asking questions like hey what's going on why are we doing this what's that? I'd ask questions I would never accuse them of like you're not doing it right because that was very aggressive but, but I still hate it because they would get the key eventually like, oh you're asking me all these questions for a reason <laughs> typically when something goes wrong they know because the client would either complain or the mm-hmm. staff would say something like the front yeah. desk we usually ask like I tell them to be like you know how is your service today and if they have anything to say They'll say it to the front desk. And typically I I do what you do too, ask questions. And I'm not always there when it's happening. So I'm like, so what happened to the client? Or like, what did she say to you? Or what, this is what she said. And is it what actually happened? Instead of accusing things right away, just kind of investigate a little bit first. And if it's actually our fault, then we'll 
take responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to tell them as well, like it's a learning experience too. And when they're doing something wrong, I feel responsible too, because I train them. So, you know, it's a learning lesson for all of us. But for you, it sounds like it's not like you dread doing it. It sounds like you've embraced that part of your job. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be very factual. So like, it's not like a confrontation. It's mm. not like anything dramatic. I, I use this exact tone. I'm just asking what is right and what is wrong. I just like to be very factual. Like, yeah. so there's nothing to be accused. I think people get offensive when you accuse them or like say things in certain manners. That was a lesson for me because, for example, we'd get a complaint from the client and I would have in my mind, this is what happened. And if I came to the staff member and said, you did this, I mean, it was always a disaster. I kind of took my cue from Paul because Paul would be like, can you tell me what happened? And he would, and then the client or the staff member would explain, it would be completely something different. It would be a reason why she behaved the way that she did. So just when you're saying like, you don't come and you accuse, you ask them to tell you what's yeah. going on. And sometimes they, you find out they screwed up and yeah. then you deal with that. But often there's another side to the story. <laughs> Clients sometimes yeah. do exaggerate a little bit to make a point. Yeah, for sure. Now for you, obviously building a team is not easy. What's been your biggest struggle you feel like with this whole thing of hiring and building and where has been your area of weakness where you've had to really push yourself or grow? Areas of weakness, I would say management. I had to learn that the hard way because I didn't go to school. It's really HR stuff. Having policies in place like tardiness and all that stuff, especially if they manage their own schedule and showing up late, just enforcing policies, I think, and having it clear and transparent to the staff, just managing people, I think is really hard. Yeah. Just because you're a great lash artist doesn't mean you'd be a great manager. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we all came from like a serviced, like a room. We worked in a room for a long time and it's not in our nature to be business people coming from service yeah. Technicians. So I think like you've done, it sounds like read books, read go to pot or podcasts, whatever, just start taking information and hearing how other people manage, how they do their styling. There's tons of books on that type of stuff and people who've successfully done it and those who've learned the hard way and you can learn from all those lessons. So I think that's a huge one. If you want to move into salon ownership, the next skill you're gonna to have to learn is management. Yeah. And read a lot of books. Always keep learning. Yeah. Do you have any favorites? Any books that you read? I don't know if you read Salon Management, if you read other books about just general management. There's a lot of books that I actually got from you guys. It was like Never Lose a Customer. Again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Joey Coleman. And then The Art of Human, I think it's what it's called. It's pretty much like human psychology, uh, just like understanding people yeah. and how they work. Certain things are just in our nature. You can't just be like, she's acting this way, but it's really, it's just nature. So you have to like really understand and be uh, sympathetic to those things. Yeah. I think that's a, a sympathy and empathy are two powers as a manager. If you can enact those will help you lead better because you won't just be thinking everyone's against you and everyone hates you. You're like, no, no, there's something behind this going on, the psychology and understand their needs and their pain points and why they act the way they do. You'd be a more generous manager or boss if you uh, can actually have those powers. In fact, one person I know in their industry who I highly respect, I think she's one of the most empathetic people I know. She just gets people and understands their pain points and her business has grown 
And just listening. Yeah, listening is really big too. Yeah. No, asking questions. Talk listen. less, listen more. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Totally. Now, for you, you transitioned at some point from, I mean, you still take clients, but I remember you telling me you also had to move clients off you on to staff. And that's scary and difficult, I think, because one, at that point where you're ready to bring on new staff and you're ready to move your clients over, one, the clients often don't want to leave you. And two, you are giving someone else your means of making a living. Like, what if they take your clients and then the next day just leave? (laughs) So, (laughs) well, that's came across my mind every night almost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned to cope. And it's just, again, not just our industry. It happens everywhere. Like, for example, my AC guy, I had this huge, big AC business that I worked with that serviced us all the time. And then out of nowhere, three months later, the guy that serviced me was like, hey, I'm opening a company with me and my buddy. And we'll service you if you want from now on. I was like, you know, it happens in every industry. Attorneys do it. Doctors open their own practice. So I just kind of learned to shift my perspective and just not worry about those things anymore. Like they're going to take your clients. Okay, well, maybe. I mean, we have a full support team here. So I am really proud of that. But in a lot of salons, they don't. So it's like, yeah, is the grass greener on the other side? Are they getting paid more? But then what is that in that responsibility of that job description that you're getting paid more? Are you checking people in, out? Are you booking appointments? Are you doing your own marketing? All that stuff. Like the number might be higher at the end of the day, but your responsibilities is like also higher. I've seen one study done. It was like six, seven years ago where someone did a study between working solo and working in a salon and the pay is almost negligible. It's almost the same. I mean, there's maybe you make a little bit more money working for yourself, maybe. And the problem was that when you work for yourself, though, you have to work more hours usually. So if you're doing that per hour, what you're making, your per hour generally will drop because like you said, you have to do the marketing, you have to do sales, you have to buy product, you have to do all these additional jobs where you don't get any income anymore. You're working just to support the business when you work solo. So I mean, it's possible to make more money solo, of course, like anything, but there is a lot of salons you can make just much. You have to wear many hats as a solo artist because I've done it and I, I know what it's like. Like I have to do laundry. Like on Sundays, I, I used to come in to sweep the floor, collect all the dust bunnies, you know? <laughs> so it's like change the mouse on the keyboard or like dust the little keys and water my succulents. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Clean the windows, squeegee the windows. Like it's all you if you're a solo artist. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. your team's not voluntarily saying, hey, I'll come in on Sunday and water all your plants for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I have someone doing that. Hey. Uh, but before, when I was a solo artist, I had to do all of that. Yeah. It was yeah. a lot of work. It is it a is. lot of work. There's Watering no the plants down. is a lot of work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How did you work with clients and get them over to your staff? How, was that difficult? Were clients pushed back or... I mean, there were, but then you have to make them feel comfortable and you have to be confident in the staff that you're pushing the clients over with. Like, you can't just be like, yeah, she's good. Try her. Maybe you'll like her. But yeah, like really sell it. Mm -hmm. I think that have confidence in your staff. And also, this is why we started actually using pre-made fans right away because Mm -hmm. it just systemized everybody's work. Yeah. Like, You're not opening the fence too big or too small. You're not grabbing enough or grabbing too little. So like all the work is so inconsistent when you make your own fan. So this is one of the easiest thing to hand down um, your clientele to your staff. If you're so overwhelmed is having the product be really consistent. Mm. Yeah. It levels the playing field. 
I never even thought of that, but you're right. It's a system, right? Versus everyone making fans and you get all different types of fans. You want one type of fan now or yeah. you, mm -hmm. just pre-mades. We all need the same, like 3D, 4D, 5D, lengths are the same, curves are the same. So it's not like go to this this other lash tech and she buys her own supplies or like she does this or that. Like it's all different. Mm. It depends on the system that you're salon is. But we buy the supplies here. We supply everything. So everything is exactly the same down to like the glue ring. Everybody uses the same exact glue ring and the same tweezers yeah. on the left hand and the right hand. That's great. Yeah. I love it. I, that's another another vote for pre-mades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been using it since 2018. So oh, wow. Oh, so you were using when pre-mades were even a little less good, I would say. <laughs> they were still... Yeah, when it was like sticky, gooey at the, the oh, base. Oh, yeah, at the base. Like, it turned yeah, that was yeah. horrible. But we did <laughs> <Yeah>. it. We, <laughs> we figured nope, it out. <laughs> yeah, we, we figured it out. Now, for you, what's been your biggest struggle overall? Looking at this journey, you've been down a salon owner for five years. So you, you've been longer than most people I know. There was just a year or two, it seems like, in the salon ownership, mostly because post-COVID, but... What's been your biggest struggle? The biggest struggle is doing it all by yourself. I don't have any partners. Right now, I'm actually talking to an attorney about having partners and having buy-ins and stuff like that. But I mean, you guys had each other, so it was nice owning a salon. But like, imagine doing it all by yourself. It's just, it's a nightmare. That's why she brought me in as she was working by herself. And I couldn't. She hired someone. That person stole a bunch of money out of the company. And then she basically said, Paul, your career kind of sucks. So why don't you come join us? <laughs> and no, my career was okay. It was just was not. It was just kind of like okay. Like I it, needed you. She needed me. So she kept doing lashes full time, and I was able to do all the management and and hiring and all the back end stuff that she hates actually. Yeah, just even like start with the employees because they're already here. So I was already talking to a few people, and they're like, "Yeah, totally." And you get more people involved, and the business just. It's more stabilized, in my opinion. Now, when you talk about partners, you're talking about people to buy in, like someone that would come in and join you, or would you not so much buy in? They would partner and take ownership of the company because they're, I don't know, reduce pay, or what's the idea behind uh, looking for partners? Just to share responsibilities and share ideas and have an extra opinion to wade in on these huge value decisions that we make sometimes, yeah. like going to LashCon, you know, or going to these conventions. It, it's costly. And I, Sometimes I'm like, um, should we do this or should we do that? And it's a high value decision that I feel like making it on my own sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just 100% me. So there's no like pros and cons and throwing ideas back and forth and stuff like that. Well, that's really cool. And I'm glad. And thanks for sharing a lot about the ownership stuff, because I, I do think people still when I asked um, last artist and we talked to them, like, what's your future dreams? Salon ownership is actually the number one. I mean, a lot of them go, yeah, I want to be a trainer. I want to own a product, product line. line. But most will say, no, I just want to have some staff. Now, they're not looking like you to be, I think they're probably more like you. Like, oh, I just want to have to start off one or two. Like, they're just like a few people. They're not thinking I want two salons and tons of staff because that probably seems a little scary, overwhelming. And it sounds like in your case, this has been a natural kind of organic growing into it versus you being like, mm -hmm. I'm going to have 18 salons in five years and... <laughs> yeah, you know, and all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having a goal to grow is within us. So I want to eventually just have more location. We're service based, and I love servicing too. We definitely want to grow the product line too, but we're already using it here. This is like a great testing location for all of our products because we we take like so many clients a day. I mean, six 
technicians a day um, and they have like four or five people, sometimes seven or eight, because our appointments are short. We have many fills, which is like 30 minutes. So it's a great way to really test everything, make sure they work before we push it out to the market. Yeah, that's really cool. I do want to point out one thing, which I know you're going to be with us. We haven't talked about this. We've talked about via email. You're going to be at the premiere show in Orlando. You're going to be teaching a class there, right? Right. Yeah. It's just going to be a workshop of four hours before they release the lineup for the premiere. I didn't know you guys were coming and having like nine classes. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, there's a void in lashes. Like I should just like reach out to them and do like a workshop here or there. And then, yeah, I mean, there's been a huge, you know, growth in lashes in the last two years. So I'm really glad you guys are coming and, you know, Bring the words for your convention too. That's awesome. Premier is trying to grow their lash side. They told me when I met with their education team, Nicole and Kanar, I think it is, if I remember right. And they were like, yeah, we really over the years have, it's all nails and hair. That's what Premier show. And Orlando is huge. It's like 60,000 people come to it. It's like, it's what IBS yeah. was pre-COVID in Vegas. So they're like, oh yeah, we, we really want to get lashes. So when you reach out and say, Hey, I'm going to be teaching there. I'm like, yeah, we are too. It was kind of cool because I'm like, yeah, they, it looks like they really are making efforts to expand into the lash industry, which is great because we are mm-hmm. a, a much needed part and it's fun to be part of our greater beauty industry. So I think people should definitely look you up. It's a four. Now, what type of class is it? Is it on, um, start, is it a beginner course or advanced course? It's um, intermediate and advanced. So whoever, I feel like a lot of people still haven't um, learned lashes. And then there's some a small percentage here in Florida is like um, into it, but not really able to advance much. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be split into two different courses within the classroom just to cater to everyone. Great. So yeah, people can go to the premiere show. We haven't announced our lineup yet. And maybe by the time this comes on during the announcements that before we have our interview I'll be talking about, but I just want people to know that you're there. You have a class. They can go look at the yeah. premiere Orlando and sign up and uh, learn. Ours is very different. You're actually teaching lashes. Hands on. I mm-hmm. can't wait. I'm glad that for sure we have to connect. I'd love to give you a hug. I'd love to connect with <laughs> well, you. We'll be, there and be in June. We'll get yep. to see you. We'll stop by. Yeah, we'll definitely be done. Then. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be so much fun. You guys have so many people coming. Yeah, it's going to be great. And then, of course, it will be October. She's going to actually, you're going to be on one of our panels and also helping us out and all that. So it's going to be a, a yeah, great time. Yeah, I have a you. question actually yeah. about the panel. Yeah. Do you line up on stage and then just like answer questions or like, how does that work? Yeah, what we do is we pick teams. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you're on my team. Or, yeah, you go on that panel. No, we'll... <laughs> I actually haven't even told you yet. I haven't told this, but people who are listening right now are like, well, what's this guy do? We'll, we'll do a little housekeeping, but at the same time explain what we do with our panels. But it makes, I think last come pretty special is we do have breakout sessions. We have seven planned. Five of those breakout sessions, we have panels. And um, Gia's going to be on one of the panels. I don't remember which one. It's not in front of me right now, but she's going to be on one. Mm-hmm. And we will have someone hosting it. And then there'll be your three or four people on the panel and you'll just sit down. Your host will reach out to you before the class. I think it might be tough. I can't remember which panel we have you on, mm-hmm. but the host will reach out, talk about some of the questions they're going to answer, go over. So that at least you can prep yourself and be ready. So when we get there, we're not going to be just throwing it on you and just hoping you can figure it out on the spot. We want you to have thought about it a little ahead of time. So it won't be cold Turkey. 
And then we might, we'll see how it goes. Sometimes the panels open up to the floor and we may have a little bit of Q&A. My only fear, attendees, if anyone's listening who's an attendee, my only fear about opening up the mic to the floor is someone might come up and just ask a question that is... The randomest question. Yeah. You know, I had a cat in my salon, you know, last week. And <laughs> she thought she was a witch. And yeah. which glue do you think doesn't work with witches? Yeah. So you're just, what? Yeah. It just, you can get kind of weird and funky. So sometimes I kind of do like to host it, prepare questions, send them ahead of time. And that way you guys feel... Also, that way you've kind of thought about the answers so, cause I think sometimes I know for me, if I'm asked a question on the spot, I, I might freeze up for a moment and go, Oh crap. I know what I want to say. And I'm like struggling to try to figure it out. So it's better sometimes to do that. So that's how that will work. And the host who is hosting your session will be in touch in the coming uh, months to work that out. So you'll be ready. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be really cool. And it's, um, it's, I think the panels are always really, really fun. So you have other, there's lots of classes. We have like right now, we've already sold over 500 tickets. So we have wow, between awesome. ticket holders and staff, volunteers and speakers and sponsors, we probably already have over 800 people coming to LashCon. So, and wow. we still have six Are you guys ago. going to all of the premieres um, convention? No, just Anaheim and we're going to Orlando. Orlando. We can't go to the other two in Ohio and I guess Texas, I think it is, because those are in September and October, which by the way is yeah. LashCon Lash season. season. So, we, it's way too much. And those are small too. Those are like smaller ones. I think Orlando. Yeah, they're still new. Yeah, they're new. So are you going to all those shows this year or are you just doing it in Orlando? Oh, or? no. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> like too much traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just doing the Orlando because it's so close to us. It's like an hour and a half away. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys aren't don't know yet, definitely look in our show notes. I'll have that there about the Orlando show. Click on the link. You can go get your tickets there. Out now, I think it's only like eighty-five bucks or ninety bucks or something like that for a ticket. Super, super affordable. And what's mm-hmm. cool is the, comes with like thousands of free classes too. Yeah, tons. Yeah, tons. Like your class, I know mm-hmm. is a paid class. Ours, we were looking at paid, but we decided for our first year to go non-paid, and then hopefully next year we'll charge a thousand bucks. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we want it to be accessible. No, it won't be that much. But that said, look in the show notes for all information. So, where can people find you if they want to look at uh, your, you know, web, Instagram or your website and all that stuff? Yeah. So my my handle is gt lash by gia and then the salon page is gt lash and barrels simple and then our product page is just gt lash we keep it all the same yes. like it's just easy yeah, yeah. I, I only recently figured out gt stands for gia tran <laughs> <laughs> yeah for some reason i did not hit me i didn't think much of the name to be yeah. honest i was just like whatever that's okay. By the way, what's nice about that is you're probably not worrying about trademarking when you have a name like that. It's you, it's distinguished, and it says what you do, right? So a lot of times people get, people get really creative with their names, and they come up with names you can't spell or type. Or weird spellings of yeah. things that you say normally. Yeah, you yeah. go into there, you try to type in the salon <laughs> name, and it's because it's spelled with Zs and Es and all sorts of other weird letters. You can't actually find them. <laughs> yeah that's funny like with numbers in your name and mm-hmm. exclamation points like the rappers yeah uh, yeah, exactly. yeah no don't <laughs> yeah bad idea so cool well and you also have a product line so people can go if they want to check out your product and all that they can come by and look and you'll have a booth at lashcon too 
Yeah. It'll be very cool. The well, whole team's going to be there. Yes. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. Did your team come with you last year or was it just you last year? Yeah, there was three girls that came with me. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be four this time. All right. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to it. Yay. And uh, thanks, Gia, for being on our show. And we will see you, you soon in Orlando. And it'll be great. Yeah, thank you. You guys have an awesome day.